Good morning, everyone. Let's, let's take a look at our, our, our first reading. Our first reading, uh, we're being reminded uh, that God has uh, delivered from the hands of the Egyptians, the Israelite people, and they're now on a journey. The journey is in the desert. It's not the most hospitable place for them, but it is on the, that's the journey. And they're there, and they begin to get angry and grumble. And uh, uh, they're making demands. And uh, we see God's great generosity and love. Even when they're yelling at him, he still provides for what they need. He did not give them what they wanted. He gave them what they needed. And in that moment, they needed food. So he provided for them. It was the... Uh, the hoarfrost, they call hoarfrost, is there in the morning. Uh, was it normally there? Yes, but not in the amount that they needed. So God intervened and put it there. Were there quail in the desert? Yes, but not at the times that um, when they needed it. So God made it so. So we see this great generosity of God, even when the people are working against him. St. Paul urges uh, the people of the Ephesians to live their lives in keeping with their baptismal calling, they have been baptized. They have been reborn. They are to stop thinking and acting in the old ways and start living in the new. And it's amazing. He talks about, he said, the folly of your own brains, meaning your own intelligence, the way you see the world. And He said, stop that. And now uh, start living in the newness of your mind. I mean, Paul was clever. I mean, he meant it. He said, the way you think is getting you in trouble. And you're new. Stop being old that way. And uh, we hear how Jesus declares himself to be the true bread from heaven. And as I said, the first reading, uh, many things can be taken from the first reading, but it is simply regarded, if you will, as a classic symbol of God's care for his people, for all of his people. Jesus, too, fed people who were hungry. But the gospel makes it clear that Jesus did not come merely to satisfy your belly or the physical and that type of hunger, but all of it, really. He came to give heavenly bread that people would eat and never die. The manna, uh, which, by the way, manna means what is that? So it's kind of funny. People say, what is that? In their word, manna, what, manna, manna? So that's what it was called from now on, manna. Um, so the manna that Moses uh, provided, Jesus gives clarification. He didn't. He interceded on your behalf, and God gave. But he went on to say, that bread was temporarily sustaining your life, your physical life. The bread that is Jesus will nourish people spiritually and sustain life eternally. We do not argue about that. Yes, he's talking about the Word of God. He's talking about uh, all everything, because he said, everything that comes out of the mouth of God shall you uh, consume. But the bread in question here is all those things, but we should not be so ignorant and blind to think that he was not referring to the Eucharist as we understand it. The whole chapter 6 of John will eventually get to that. And so, um, my friends, looking at this, uh, uh, we continue now in this chapter of John. This is a very important chapter, and it's a very long one, and uh, so long that it has to be split up over five weeks on five Sundays. Um, because of the way the lectionary is set up. And in this, Jesus puts forth, uh, it's called discourse. He's putting a discourse, a homily. He's putting his doctrine from our perspective. He has come 
so that you would understand the Father and be reconciled. The gift he is going to give is eternal life. And uh, he said one of the ways this will come about is through the sacrament, as we call it, the Eucharist. Now, uh, because we're splitting everything up, um, we don't catch that until the end. And uh, to better understand what St. John wants you to see and understand from chapter 6, it's better that you read the chapter in its entirety. So what I've been telling people is go home, open up your bottle of wine, and read the whole chapter. And read the whole gospel for that matter, but read the chapter in one sitting. Because then you will understand the journey St. John is taking you on about the Word of God, about the bread of life, and about the Eucharist. Last Sunday, as John told us, Jesus did a sign that they, so that they would believe, and that was the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. Jesus fed uh, 5,000 men. That means there was about 10,000 people present because of the wives and children. That was their custom and culture, not to mention them often. The importance of this event can be seen in the fact uh, that it is the miracle, or as John calls it, the sign, the one miracle, one sign that appears in every single gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all record this. And sometimes a little bit differently, uh, St. John's version, uh, we're told Jesus gives thanks and distributes the bread. He distributes the bread. People think it was the apostles who did it. No, he did it. And this becomes important how we understand languages. In the Aramaic to Greek, from Greek to Latin, Latin to all the other languages. In Jesus' language, the word that was being used is what we understand as Eucharistine. Eucharistine means to give thanks. Eucharist, Eucharist. Mass, Eucharist. You getting it? The word, what is Mass? It's in Thanksgiving. Eucharist, Eucharistine. So, uh, these, it's just not just words. These are important things. Some theologians point out that in the telling of this event, the story, that Jesus had something more in mind than just ordinary food. He certainly meant ordinary food, but as we travel through the whole chapter, you will see how he will shift it. And um, he was preparing them to come to understand something that was going to be very difficult. This Sunday, we see he moves from that plain where he fed them with barley loaves, and now he is in Capernaum, and he's in the synagogue. And uh, he is teaching there. He's giving a homily, if you will. And the homily begins by him calling people to have faith in him. He's telling them, you must have faith in me. And to help them with that, he gave them a sign. He fed 10,000 people with three barley loaves. Come on. A family of 10 maybe can eat those barley loaves. Uh -huh. But 10,000 people, no, that's not happening. God's intervention, as you see like from the first reading. My friends, it will become necessary to have faith um, in Jesus Christ in every word that he speaks in order, because uh, you will need faith and they will need faith to understand what he is going to tell them regarding the Eucharist. Their faith and belief in the Eucharist rests on believing in Him and trusting Him in all that He says. Next Sunday, um, His uh, discourse or His homily uh, continues. We'll hear from John's Gospel again. Jesus will make a transition from faith in Him, 
meaning believing everything he says, to believing what he says about the Eucharist. As we understand it, he will call it the bread of life. He's going to change all the words, uh, the meaning, the verbs, and everything, so that we would come to understand. Because one must believe in him and accept him and all of his words and all of his promises in order to accept what he's about to say at the end of chapter 6. And the following Sunday, Jesus will, without equivocation, mean the, um, that'll be the fourth, the fourth Sunday that'll have the gospel. He will put forth with no uncertain terms. He states clearly, the bread that I give is my flesh for the life of the world. And he, the very word of God, he's talking about something different. He changes the words. He changes uh, the way we would say flesh, meat. Not, he changes them because the people are like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? You're talking about the word of God. No, I'm talking about something different now. And so he changes the words so that they would come to understand it. And they become quite uneasy with him. And they also begin to rebel. And, uh, and in spite of this adverse reaction from the crowd, Jesus doesn't give in. He steps it up. And he says, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And he used words uh, that you could not mistake. They said, he's talking about meat. Meat is the word. He's talking, what a... They said, and remember, people of his time, they could not touch blood. If you touched blood, you were unclean uh, for that evening, and then uh, you couldn't worship. So this is making them very uncomfortable because he's telling them you're going to have to... And he goes even further uh, because in the final uh, paragraphs of chapter 6, Jesus will challenge them by uh, making a statement and the people are going to have to make a decision. They either have to believe everything he's saying, all of it, or reject him. And what he's going to do, he's going to change the word because they still, whoa, 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 whoa. no, 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 he's not talking about that. Yes, he is. He changed the word to chew, gnaw. And now, in the older days, we used to say, hey, I need you to gnaw on this for a little while. And that means to think about it. Jesus was not talking about that. They didn't have that expression. Jesus uses a word that they would not misunderstand. You will have to eat the very flesh of the Son of Man, Jesus, the Messiah. And he used a word that is, was offensive to them in this chewing, gnawing, like one does with ribs. And they became very upset with him. And um, Jesus would say, now you must make a decision Either you will accept what I'm telling you or you reject it. There is no middle ground. There is no gray area anymore. Either you believe everything that Jesus says or you do not believe. And St. John tells us that many of his disciples broke away and would not remain in his presence any longer. John 6, 6, 6. That is no coincidence. 666 is the number of Satan. John 666, we are told that those who were walking with him turned their back on him and went in a different direction. 
they could not accept his teaching. Even the apostles were having a hard time. That's where the famous statement, Jesus turns to them and says, Do you wish to leave me too? And then we hear Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have truth. And people of that time, just like people of our time, we are presented with the same challenge. You must either accept Jesus as he is, all of his words, all of his teachings, or you will have to reject him. There are many who say they are disciples of Jesus, but by their deeds and by their words, you see clearly that they are not. It's hard. It's hard as a pastor to say that about they become baptized, but that's it, nothing more. Each one of us must make a decision. In faith, we must accept all of his words, all of his promises, all of his gifts, or you must refuse it. Jesus, and you know, I'm your pastor, and I tell you, Jesus said God, God loves you, and that's true. That God oh, desires eternal life for you, that's true. But Jesus also spoke other things. He spoke about hell. He spoke about those who are lukewarm. He warned them that it's dangerous for you. People don't like that. Oh, I don't want to hear about that, Father. I only want the good Jesus, the one that lets me do whatever I want. What Jesus is that? <laughs> because that's not the one who's in the Scriptures. You see what I'm getting at? Either accept everything he says, or you do not. He told us that the, he is the way to the Father. Either you accept that or you do not. He told us, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. Either you accept it or you do not. The way to his love, that eternal future, to the eternal and infinite God, Jesus says, is through him. Jesus telling us, um, he says, what is it? Remember what the question was? What is it that God wants from us? What is it? What is the work of God for us to do? And Jesus says, to believe in the one he sent. Wow, that's pretty easy. But now I'm showing you how perhaps it is not so easy. The scripture says, and the Israelites knew this very well, the one who had the seal of God upon them, you could trust them completely. Everything they said was true. And everything they said, God, would make come true. Jesus said, his seal is upon me. Everything I say thus is true. Everything I tell you will come to pass. One begins to understand that this requires total commitment to Christ then. Yes, Jesus is asking a whole lot from us, but he gives a whole lot in return. We are asked to accept him on his terms and not to try to take him on our terms. You can't make up your own Jesus. Well, this is how I see him. Nope. That's not how it works. Many folks don't find it difficult to believe in Jesus because they take him on their own terms. 
agreeing with the things intellectually and spiritually that they like about him while ignoring the other things that he spoke about. You know, that's not going to go well for you. Until we give ourselves completely to him, we will continue to hunger. Unknowing exactly what it is we hunger for, for only he can satisfy that type of hunger. So my friends, I encourage everyone to read and to pray and reflect on the gospel, the whole chapter 6 of John. Perhaps he will take into consideration my words given to you today. I suspect this will help you to understand that the bread is Jesus, the word of God, his teachings, but also as he was then trying to prepare the people, so now he prepares you to have faith in him, to accept his gift of love that is what we call the Holy Eucharist. My friends, very clearly, Jesus understood the many hungerings of the human heart, or he fed the people's tummies. And there are some hungers of the human heart that should never be satisfied or should not be entertained. Those hungers are not good things. They lead people down a path of destruction, addiction, stuff like that. Those are a hunger too. But there are other hungers that our Lord wants to help you with. The hunger of the human heart to be accepted. He loves you. The hunger to be important to someone. He will satisfy your hunger. You are important to him and to others. And the greatest one, the hungering of the heart to be loved. Everyone wants to be loved. And he loves you. He and he alone will satisfy your heart. Those hungerings. The other types he will not entertain for you because he knows they will lead to a destruction for you. Today, so many hunger deep in their hearts and soul. They are searching for meaning in their life. They want to, they don't want to just exist. They want to have life. And Jesus is saying, follow me, because I am God's truth. His seal is upon me. You can trust me. He's saying, follow me, because I am the truth that saves. I am the truth that gives meaning to life in this world. I am the truth that guarantees a future beyond human death. I am the truth that gives life. I'm using that word because today it's a word that's thrown out. You need to let Sonny speak his truth. You need to let that person speak their truth. And I'm confused. What does that mean exactly? I think what they mean is they want to talk about an experience. That's not the same thing as truth. My friends, as your pastor, I want you to cherish these guarantees of Christ and to follow him completely. Do not reserve anything such as doubt. Follow him. Trust him. Believe in him. I want the bread of his words to calm your hearts when you have anxiety. I want the words, the bread 
that comes from him to fortify your faith so that you may have hope in all things. I want you to take his truth to others, to our youth, to friends and families who have walked away from the church, meaning God. Take it to them, his truth. Jesus is the bread of life, the only truth that will matter in the end. And the one on whom God has set his seal, tell these people God loves them. Tell them Jesus merits their attention. Tell them that Jesus ultimately merits their love. For he alone will take them from just existing to having life to the full. Now, my friends, uh, the parish secretary said, Father, whenever you decide that you're going on a vacation or a retreat, you always give us a really tough homily, and it's very somber. <laughs> and I said, I do, and they like, yeah. And I said, are you going to do that again this weekend? <laughs> I don't know. Did I? <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of speaking the truth, uh, but, uh, but I know. Um, but it becomes important uh, when, especially when it comes to the Eucharist, the way the lectionary breaks up that chapter gets confusing. But when you read it entirely, you see the journey that Mark takes you on. Yes, the Word of God. Yes, the ways of Jesus. Yes, uh-oh, 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 <laughs> the Eucharist. And that, you know, has become a point of contention amongst Christians. And that's not what he meant. That's exactly what he meant. <laughs> that's exactly what he meant. So we have to come to that. So my friends, um, uh, I need you to pray for vocations to the priesthood and to the diaconate and to the religious life. It took six months for me to find someone to come and cover for one weekend. And um, this is the first time that I'm leaving without Deacon Dale being here to watch over you. When I go on vacation, there will be no ordained person here. I know other parishes do it, but I haven't experienced that, nor have you. So I go, but I have anxiety about it. A priest will come on Wednesday and do Mass at 9 o'clock. That's all he can do. We'll have a priest on the weekend. Father Pike will come, and he'll speak to you about Unbound. Unbound is a wonderful ministry. I would never allow them to come and speak about it if it was not... Legit, as the kids call it, legit, 100%. <laughs> um, but he'll come and speak about Unbound. It's a beautiful ministry, so he'll be here. Um, but um, there'll be no priest to extend the sacrament of anointing. No one can have a funeral, I'm gone. You see, uh, this creates anxiety within me. Uh, but um, Father has to have what I'm calling a mental health vacation. <laughs> and I know you guys can relate to that. So I will take you in my heart and pray for you. I thank you for your patience. I've done what I could to get coverage here uh, during this time. Um, the, the staff members are fully capable, uh, but there are some things that just cannot happen while I'm not here and when we have no deacon present. So um, I will be praying for you. Pray for me in my time uh, away, and I'll be back. Um, and re-energize and everything to 
go about doing what God has asked of me, okay? Know that I love you, and uh, I will miss you while I'm gone, though. While I am gone, we will have, um, we'll have adoration still on Thursday. Now, uh, the Archbishop has extended his dispensation regarding Mass. What am I talking about? In the Archdiocese, um, he's issued a dispensation uh, that it, people in his Archdiocese do not have to go to Mass, and I don't have to worry about it. Uh, now, when he gives dispensation, it doesn't mean you can't. He didn't say you don't pray or that you don't go. He just saying in this time because of the pandemic you don't have to um, so uh, it has been our custom here since the pandemic began if you come in the morning even when there's no mass and pray the sacristan will be here and if you approach the sacristan say may i have the eucharist we will give you the eucharist we will do everything we can to give you the bread of life so that'll still happen and it'll still continue while the archbishop holds his dispensation in place um, so you can come, pray, and with sacristan's present, he's usually here in the morning. If you approach him, he'll say, may I have the Eucharist? He will give you the Eucharist at that time. So the Eucharist will be available always. Um, but I would say just because one can do something doesn't mean they should, meaning just because he said you don't have to go to Mass doesn't mean you should. Maybe you should. <laughs> and all of you are here, so I'm preaching to the choir, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but... Um, just know that uh, while I'm gone, even though we only have Mass on Wednesday, if you come and pray in the morning, the Eucharist will be extended to you if you ask for it. 